0: So 2009 we separated and we'd seen our friends, some of our friends um, go through similar scenario separation and got pretty nasty and custody and child support and all that stuff going on and we just made from day one, we just put our, our children first and we did everything amicably.
1: You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. Now, my name is Tabitha Bright, and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. We have over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, and there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guest today is one of our own, one of our fabulous coaches, Karen Chavez. And today we're going to be discussing divorce and investing. Uh, You know, people have a whole variety of experiences around divorce, some good, some uh, not so easy. We discuss lessons learned from the 20 years plus that Karen has been investing. And if you add uh, my 20 odd years as well. We've got close to 50 years of investing experience between us. So we chew the fat on what successful investing looks like. And, um, and we also talk about the very important topic of never giving up. So enjoy this conversation with Karen. Hey, Karen, uh, so good to have you here. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks. Uh, thanks, Tabitha. It's uh, awesome to be here. I'm excited. Seems weird to have you call me Tabitha.
1: Oh, no, I know, I had to pause. <laughs> I meant to say Tabitha, no, that's a bit informal. <laughs> call me Tab, call me Tab, otherwise I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Karen Chavez is one of our fabulous coaches here at Positive Real Estate. And prior to being a coach, she was a client. So um, many of our coaches have been on this journey, myself included, where we were clients first. We invested and then we uh, liked it so much we joined the club, so to speak, and we became coaches here at Positive Real Estate. And Karen's been coaching. She's one of our more experienced coaches. She's been coaching and investing now for nearly seven years. So six and a half years, she's been here with Positive Real Estate, working with myself and the team. So we're super lucky to have her here. Um, And um, I guess, Karen, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me, where did you start?
0: Yeah, um, well, my investing journey really started almost 21 years ago,
1: mm.
0: um, which makes me feel old. But anyway, that's just part of the course. Um, no, uh, So personally, I've been through um, a, a marriage, divorce and, and remarried. And my ex-husband and I actually did have a couple of investment properties before we had children. Uh, so that was back in Sydney in like, the very early 2000s, um, literally settled on our first investment property uh, two days after giving birth to our first child.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Which I don't recommend. <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs>
1: oh, well, tell me about that. That's the first thing I want to dig into because, oh. you know, many of you out there will be wondering, can you mix family, investing, um, and then we're. I'm going to dig down into divorce in a second yeah. um, because, you know, I've, I've been there too. Um, I've shared that with some of you guys. So let's start with the settling of property and having a baby at the same time. Tell me about that. How did you engineer that?
0: We had no idea what we were doing. And in hindsight, we were very, very lucky. It just didn't go pear-shaped. Mm. Um, so we... My ex-husband, he went to visit some friends of ours and there was an open house at a townhouse in the same complex that they were in and he rang me. I was at home. Um, So at the time I was probably seven months pregnant. And he rang me at home and he said, hey, there's a townhouse for sale in um, the complex here. I've just had a walk through it. I think it looks really good. Um, Let's make an offer on it.
1: So what year was
0: this? This was in 2000.
1: Right. So the market, to set the scene for those that are younger and may not know what was happening in the market in 2000 in Sydney, like it was going nuts, wasn't it? That it was. was. It was absolutely yeah. heated. Like today's market,
0: it yeah. was off the, off the it charts. Was, it was really yeah. probably just starting, actually. It still yeah. had a few years to run. So we um, made an offer, got accepted. The property was actually vacant. Um, so we negotiated to get access to the property prior to settlement to paint and put carpet. Ah, um, so did a bit cool. of a small reno. Um, my dad was not working at the time and he kindly did the work for us so that property was not air-conditioned. This was literally over December, January, um, and my dad worked through everyday painting, the the whole property inside it, like all inside, um, in the heat. And I felt really sorry for him, but bless him, he did it for us. Um, When we were going for the loan, I didn't want to tell the broker that I was pregnant. So when he came to our house, I literally sat at the kitchen table with my stomach under the table and didn't move for the entire meeting. (laughs) And I was finishing up with work as the loan application was going through so even for my voicemail at work on my work number I didn't put down that I was on leave just that I was on maternity leave I just said that I was just out of the office and didn't say why and just trying to make sure all the loan went through without them knowing that I was pregnant. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So then we had to wait for settlement and um, yeah literally uh, like pretty much just like driving home from hospital and the solicitor calls and says, hey, you've just settled. (laughs) We're like, okay, great. (laughs) There's a two-day old baby in the car. (laughs) Um, And then we had a friend move in. Oh, how did that go? Um, Not too bad, but so, and of course it was in the same complex as another friend. So my um, ex-husband would drive over there every night, every Friday night, pick up the (laughs) rent. Old school. Very old school and have a couple of beers with our friend in our unit and his friend in the other unit that was just across the way. And um, (laughs) that became a Friday night regular. So, um, yeah, so all the wrong things. We didn't even have landlord insurance. We just had no idea what we were doing.
1: Wow. So there's a couple of things I want to hone in on here. So the the first thing is... um, and don't let me forget if I say, oh, what was the other thing? The two things I want to hone in on are negotiating your terms prior to settlement. So that's interesting. It gets tougher in a hot market to do that. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that. But the first thing I want to touch on is renting to friends. Like yeah. that, <laughs> like when I coach people,
0: I usually I recommend
1: it. No. I was going to say normally I don't recommend renting to family or friends. It's not that it can't be done successfully and you do see people that do it successfully and you know do a good deed for their family or they look after a friend in a tough situation or they just like the certainty of who they're renting to. But I would say and tell me if you agree probably 80% of the time it goes sideways, right? Correct. It goes sideways. So tell me about that. Did that work for you? You didn't, did you have a signed lease?
0: No. Nope.
1: So no lease. No uh, lease. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no land market, rent. Rent. market uh, rent. Yes, it was market rent. Oh, okay. Well, that's a tick. Because yep. often it's not. Usually it's that discounted. was the deal. Uh, yep. our friend needed somewhere to go. Um, yep. and we said, look, well, our place is ready. So like, he literally moved in the day it's settled, and we got the keys. Yeah. Um and he was there for oh, I can't even remember how long now. Um and then when he moved out, um a fellow that I worked with was looking for somewhere to live with his partner. So you put a
1: word made didn't there.
0: But by at that point, I actually put it through a real estate agent and just went completely hands off. Yeah.
1: Um
0: and put it through an agent. I said, look. Here's the agents details. You if you're interested, this is where the property is. And I just like left it all that way. Um, so that was, yeah, again, just completely hands-off on close my to home, right? Because was, I worked with him like every day, like in my team. Like I it wasn't <laughs> even just someone in you know, a different part yeah, of our work.
1: Yeah, someone at arm's length. But, so because obviously the challenge is it's all good when it's good. Yeah. Um, but as soon as something goes a bit sideways. Um, you know, money troubles, repairs yep. that aren't done in the time frame they want, even not having a lease can get in the way of you getting landlord's insurance. Correct. Like If you don't have a formal lease agreement, then you know you can't get insurance. Um, you know, there's a whole raft of stuff in there. So, so you learnt via the school of hard knocks kind of what not to do, right? Yeah. Yep. Which, um, and that's one of the key things around mentoring and coaching. Um, that we like to talk about with our clients is learn from some of the mistakes that we've made. Unlike you, Karen, I've invested for... Uh, since my twenties, and I'm 52, so somebody do the math. it was 23 to 52, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so you know, there's a there's a good deal of accumulated knowledge in there, a lot of dos, but certainly a lot of don'ts. And That's I love cute. talking. Of, yeah, I love talking about the lessons and the don'ts because they're often more interesting, and um and they're often where you learn stuff. And it it's that baptism by fire and all those cliches around. Um, you know, carbon becoming diamonds with pressure and all of that kind of stuff. There is a certain amount of truth to that, right? Yes. And coaching can help you fast track when you learn by other people's mistakes. So, coming back to something that you did really well, um, and is and is hard to do, and and only because the terms you negotiated for yourself where you could go in prior to settlement and rip a whole lot of stuff out and renovate a property. One of the key things for um, the vendor, uh, the person selling the property is if Karen didn't settle, they have a risk that they now have a property that might be half renovated with everything torn out and half painted you know, a, a substandard job, potentially, they've got no control over that. And they had to be confident that Karen was going to settle. And, you know, sometimes uh, shit does happen, excuse the, you can beat that out. Um, And sometimes people don't settle, they don't settle on time, or they can't get finance at the last minute. Um, You know, it might be a situation like yourself, Karen, where um, you know, you'd um, gone under the radar with your pregnancy, and um, and maybe the employer did a did a check and found out that you you know you weren't actually at work. Um, so you the HR person really well. I haven't had a word for <laughs> oh my god, this goes in big, big inverted commas. Don't, don't do, do it, at it home, kids, but do this at <laughs> home. Highly, yeah,
0: this is yeah. pre GFC, and finance was probably a little bit looser as well yeah, back then, a lot looser. So, yeah. um, it was you know, the HR person was said, I'll only answer their question, and they only normally only ask, Do you work there? and this is is this your income? and um, don't volunteer any information they don't ask for. Perfect. So, Perfect. I was like, perfect. Um, but, yeah, no, it was pre-GFC, so definitely finance was looser back then um, and yeah, interest rates were higher. Around
1: and Do checks, right? So <laughs> you've got to be very really careful with that. Um, yeah. and, um, and so but tell me, how did you negotiate those terms? Because they're quite fun, right? You get in yeah. and do all the reno before you settle.
0: Correct. So we, um, we just asked. We, we knew it was empty. Right, another one, ask. Yep, there was literally nothing in there. Um, we'd already signed the contract. We'd finished off the cooling off period, so it was unconditional. Yep. Um, so we approached the agent and just said, Look, you know, we'd like to be able to get in early if it's at all possible. Yep. Um, we're happy to pay a bit of rent during that time yeah, if needed. win nice. yep. um, Win-win. Yep. Win-win. Um, but we'd like to... Uh, all we wanted to do was paint and carpet. We weren't going to do anything like material, like big material changes. Yeah, and so I came back, and the uh, seller agreed to us going in there oh. and doing that, um, provided that um, that was all we did was just like that, really cosmetic you know, paint and carpet, and that was it. So they're obviously looking at their risk. Like if we do start ripping out kitchens and stuff, that was going to be a bigger issue, but just paint and carpet, like what was there was pretty ordinary. Yeah, okay. Um, so it was not like we we're going to leave it in probably any worse situation. Um, but they didn't ask for rent. They are happy not to do that um, as long as, you know, as that was the limit of what we were able to do.
1: Oh, that's very nice of them, not to ask for rent. Yeah,
0: um, we offered it, it was, um, but they declined it. Wow. Okay. Um, I think they saw it as, a, hey, look, if we didn't settle, they probably had a free reno out of it. So, Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: true, and, a, and an easy one, a nice tidy up. And then the benefit for you guys for going in and doing that for our beginner investors is that from the second you settle, you have an appealing property where you don't have the holding costs to worry about to get the better rent, the better class of tenant, and all of that. So, um, so that's awesome. Um, all righty. So, I'm going to hark on back, and I am putting you on the spot here, you <laughs> may, <laughs> because once again, when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm looking for common stories, and one of the things I've seen over the years of coaching, like like you, I've coached for a number of years, well over a decade, and. I see people coming through, having started to build a portfolio and build a life for themselves, and then life gets in the way. Divorce happens um, or, you know, um, sometimes sadder stories, sometimes a partner passes away, and you find yourself not where you thought you were and maybe having to start from scratch Um, divorce doesn't always time itself with markets. So, you know, sometimes the market can be going backwards when you've got to sell property. Are you happy to share some of that story? Um, Where did you end up? What happened? How do you get back up on your feet after a life changing?
0: Again, I have to say I've been absolutely blessed and lucky through my journey. And it's, and I'm going to say it is all absolute luck. Mm-hmm. There's no planning in anything that I did. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Leading up to sort of where I came to start my investing life again. Um, it was all pure luck. So, us uh, now we ended up with a couple of investment properties and a home. Yeah. We were cross securitized, everything was the wrong way around. We'd borrowed 110% for our home. Um, so, we got to the point where, as so we're having our second child, we actually sold both our investment properties. And paid a chunk of our mortgage, um, yeah. which was in hindsight was a really dumb thing. We thought we were struggling with cash flow. We just weren't really good with money right, for a whole bunch of reasons, which I won't go into in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's probably part of the underlying reason that we ended up in a divorce down the track anyway.
1: Yeah. Money is so, a very common stressor.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 2009 we separated and we'd seen our friends, some of our friends, um, go through similar scenario separation and got pretty nasty and custody and child support and all that stuff going on. And we just made from day one, we just put our, our children first and we did everything amicably. Yeah. So when it came time to uh, separate um Originally I was going to keep our house and my husband was looking for a new house to purchase and we were just going to split our equity and and sort of help each other out to get set up. He's a tradesperson. So he was having trouble finding the right house with everything he needed. And our house that we already had was perfect for him. Mm. So in the end I found a house instead and moved. Um, And at the time, To get our equity and for me to buy this house again we didn't want to tell the broker that we were separating so we made out that this house was going to be an investment um but just in my name only because i was a higher income earner yeah so we ended up being guarantor for each other on our loans and all of this stuff to kind of get it all done and stayed that way for a number of years before we're both in a financial position where we could refinance and actually get each other off our mortgages as guarantors yeah um, got, but that's okay. Again, like we just kept everything really amicable and um, just put everything between us apart, separate, just to kind of keep it all easy and more to support our children. So, yeah. extremely lucky. Bought my house in 2009 in Sydney, so just post GFC. So, magic year, obviously. Um, when I bought it, I was competing with first home buyers at the time in the sort of $500,000 space, which was a nightmare. So I ended up paying, I went into a property, it was just slightly above that, valued low. I had a $20,000 low valuation on the property when I was buying it. Yep. Um, again, that's representative of probably where the home first home buyer grant was at the time. I think they were about 21,000. Right. So they just deduct yeah In Sydney. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's okay. Like I had a big enough deposit that that didn't bother me. So, again, a great story. You know, like I had a low vow, but I just wanted the house. I needed to get into a property. Yep. Um, again, I negotiated terms on the property. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so I was. So my ex-husband and I were still living together, separated. Obviously, settlements can settlements will take six weeks. So the property was again empty. Um, so I negotiated and got had the seller allow me to move in early and pay rent until oh, settlement. Um, awesome. So I was able to move in sort of within a week of signing a contract.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah and um I to
1: negotiate I didn't know this about you <laughs>
0: <laughs> my motto is if you don't ask you don't get absolutely <laughs> um, and I say that to my clients too ask the question you could you know if they say no it's no but if you don't ask you'll never know yeah um yep. always ask yep so and it just yeah it was getting pretty tense still living together but separated so it was yeah. Yeah, we needed to move. On anyone, even amicably. Yeah. Yeah. Um. As as I say, it was it was a conscious decision to be amicable through the process. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. But again, imagine it was all luck. Um, we bought our house early enough in, so we bought the house in two thousand and two. Um. So there was equity in it. Um, we'd sold other properties. We'd paid our mortgage down considerably, so there was you know some good equity in our home, which gave me a good deposit to to buy the house that I've got now, and just yeah. kind of keep on going. So, um, you know, divorce can be challenging, and I, my my advice to anyone going through it, and I know it takes two to to tango. Um, But if you make it hard for yourself, I've seen people, it stretches for years and years and years and just ties everybody up Mm. and costs a huge amount of money. Yeah. If you can do it amicably and just do it smoothly, you both end up in front. Like it's a no-brainer. Unfortunately, not everyone can put their feelings aside and their ego aside to do that. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes,
1: yeah, sometimes there can be one party that's a little bit more tricky. There can be, it's tough when there's hurt. Yeah, um, and the reasons why,
0: there could be a whole number of reasons for the divorce, I know, like domestic violence, and that can come into the picture as well, which is not easy. So um, if you've got the opportunity to do it simply and easily and amicably, yeah much better off. But yeah, yeah I've touched quite a few people through divorce and it's oh,
1: some of the stories you hear. Well, it's interesting, right? Because um, I got divorced very young. I got married very young and I made a, <laughs> well, a, a poor quality choice on getting married. Um, I was young. I had teenage thinking. And um, in one of my previous podcasts with Alison Newman, we talk about domestic violence. And unfortunately, um, that was something I experienced. And, um, and when I got divorced, we, we were kind of the opposite to you guys. We'd bought um, and paid a little bit too much for the property, and, but it wasn't a hot market. Um, we got into a property because we had limited uh, deposit funds. And <laughs> back then, pre-GFC, with the property, um, they it was a house and land build, and they were, uh, unbeknown to us, they were diddling the valuations. So they were okay. overvaluing overvaluing them with a friendly valuer, so we could get financed with a small deposit, yeah. and it was an absolute stitch up. And it's so funny because when I moved to Australia a bit later, this is back in New Zealand, um I actually got a call from the fraud squad, and. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> And they were like, we're investigating this company where you bought a property from and they wanted to understand the process and the story. It wasn't that we'd done anything wrong, but um, we got caught up in this, um, essentially a Ponzi scheme with housing. Uh, and so when my ex and I divorced, I actually left him. Um, I was opposite of you guys. We had no equity. Um, he had lost his job. I had woken up and started... Um, found myself doing everything I said I was never going to do. I was married. I said I was never going to get married. I said I was never going to have kids. I said I was never going to live in suburbia. I was never going to work in a bank. And I was doing all four of those things. Um, And then add you know, a very unhappy marriage on top of that. And I was just like, I'm getting out. And when I got out there was negative equity in the property and we couldn't afford the mortgage because it was back in the days of, I think we were paying 13 or 14% at the time. It wasn't the 17 to 21 that you hear people talk about. There was no way we could afford it. And I managed to sell it um, for what the mortgage, for what the mortgage was, not the property. Um, And we were very, very lucky But for me, with my divorce story, I was prepared to go bankrupt to get out of the marriage and to start fresh. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we have to do whatever it takes to press that reset button. Um, And I don't know about you, Karen, but I've certainly seen a lot of clients over the years that have have come from a negative position. So they're not even ground zero. They've come from a a position where we've had to tidy a, oops, tidy a whole lot of stuff up before yep. we can even move them forward. Have you seen a similar thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. In, interesting There's actually quite a few clients that we've got that joined Positive Real Estate as a couple Yeah. Um, from many, many years ago and then they've ended up going through a divorce and I've actually got a few clients that I've actually helped with trying to work out some of the bits and oh, pieces yep. of what they're actually that financial settlement, trying to, you know, get property values and talk to brokers and try to work out with them what the, you know, what a rough plan would look like to try to help them negotiate that piece.
1: Um,
0: But I've seen, you know, a lot of clients they've joined, you know, some of them back in sort of 2008, 2009, and then they disappear for probably five years before they're back on back to a, a position of going, right. I'm, 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 I'm clean. I'm square. I can now start to build. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I had one client who I've actually not advertising my podcast here, but I did interview um, our fabulous Lauren and yes. um, she's in an earlier, earlier session and she came from a negative position. So she joined our coaching program and it was five years, Nellie, before she could do something. She had to, she was a single mom, divorced, um, lost a whole lot of equity uh, went in selling, had to, start from scratch again um, and save her first deposit. Uh, And so, you know, guys, if you're watching this and you're thinking, you don't know how you're gonna come back from a difficult situation or there's so much stuff to sort, just just keep going. Consistency is the key, just chip away, have a plan, know you'll get there, even if it takes a number of years. um, And, um, you know, make sure you check in with your coach. Uh, because often there's stuff you can do um, that'll help get you back on track. And I've seen people that's, cre- you know, credit ratings have been impacted, bankruptcies, um, you know, you name it, uh, business has gone bad. Um, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Isn't isn't that right, Karen? Always, always. And sometimes you just need that helping hand along the way to, to find that path. Absolutely. And so on um, for something a little bit lighter something I don't know about you <laughs> cool. I've worked with you for six and a half years I want to know something I don't know
0: <laughs> okay this is my uh my 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 probably my pre-positive real estate um shame that I don't talk about <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> shame this is gonna be exciting yes
0: <laughs> my husband and I decided that we like the idea of trying to develop and we oh. ended up doing um, Mark Rolton's course.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. Um, which cost us back then pretty much a deposit on another property to do. Ah. And I remember saying to my husband, we have to use this. You have to do this because it was more for him. Yeah. And um, this <laughs> is a deposit cozy. for yeah. another property. And, uh, and you yeah, know, long story short, we've done nothing with it and, you know, $50,000 in the red for it. So, yeah. Um, don't recommend that at all.
1: <laughs> and that's, that's so funny. That's a really good point though, right,
0: yeah. um,
1: is that knowledge is awesome but you've got to apply it.
0: A hundred percent. And yeah. if it wasn't easy. Like we actually tried really hard for about, I don't know, maybe nine months of just every night going through the process and getting absolutely nowhere. Like yeah. it was really, really hard and, um and we were already clients of positive real estate at the time and doing other things, so it wasn't like we were doing nothing, but we yep. thought this was going to help maybe fast-track some stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just a huge waste of money. Like that was back then, like that was, like what, 2013? That was a deposit on a property at 95% lending before lending changed. So yep.
1: I kick myself over that
0: one every single day.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of takeaways in that. It's... Um... Often people think that the tricky stuff is where the big profits are. Correct. And, um, and it's mostly not the case, yeah? Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's not that the course that Mark does is, is uh, dodgy
0: or, or... It's not. It's, it's all 100%. legitimate. It's
1: just... 100%. But it takes a very certain skill set and time, like so much time, uh, to get a result. And I reckon it's a bit like, I always like in that course, when I talk to clients that say they want to do it, to like, it's like multi-level marketing. It's, it's, genuine. A, it's it, genuine. It's a genuine thing. People almost like play playing lotto. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 1% of people that have the uh, the grit and the, and it's not that you don't have grit, because I've seen you do some amazing stuff, but it's a certain space that people operate to be successful in yeah. that space and it's a very small percentage of the population it is and you've
0: got to be looking in the right market at the right time and when we did that we were actually trying to look into the sydney market and get into yeah. like some, pick up some like the land subdivisions in the southwest and that but most of that land was already spoken for and yeah. it was kind of all stuck because that whole corridor of sydney while the land was pretty much all bought up by developers already no one could develop it because sydney water hadn't put services in like nothing everything was just kind of stuck for years like even still there's areas there that still haven't started being developed yet and this is what eight years later yeah yeah um there's areas that still even like you're talking like land lease and the big guys they still can't yet actually develop some of the land and put it into housing blocks
1: yeah, yeah, it's a it's a common story. Yeah, um, picking up that development type stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. it over years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was my that
0: was probably my big lesson, very expensive lesson. Yeah. Um, that said, yeah. I always look for the lesson in everything that I do, and definitely learnt a lot. So you know, um, learn a lot about um options and all that kind of thing which was really awesome because it just helps me understand a different aspect of real estate and how all that works so I'm not going to say that it was completely wasted but certainly um in hindsight it was definitely not a good move (laughs) (laughs) but it didn't it didn't get you the result you were after it definitely did not and uh, I also learned a bit about my husband during that as well He's not a detailed person um,
1: right
0: but you are
1: you are very detailed I'm a
0: detailed person and yeah. thinking that he was going to learn this and he was going to pick up this part and I was doing other stuff as a team uh-huh. realized he's actually not the detailed person that's able to do the, the research and so most of it fell on me and then it just got all too hard and too much time gotcha gotcha
1: and nothing's like thinking and i fell into this mistake early in my my second marriage which has been successful for the record um i fell into this too where i think that um it's coaching your partner or thinking you need to fix something about them and you're going to provide the solution to fix it for them out. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work doesn't work I always remember scott harris saying to me Um, Just focus on doing the stuff that you need to do and everything falls into place. (laughs) Generally, I find that advice works really well. And so to wrap up, um, tell me a little bit, I guess if you could give your younger self, we're going to go to that classic podcast question, if you could give your younger self some advice, knowing what you know today, what would you say to
0: Karen 20, 30 years ago? It's the cliche, save your money. No, and it's something I teach my kids now, even when they start their first or even like they have to earn pocket money in my house. It's a whole podcast that no, Scott, Scott recommends I should do. on, on yeah, teaching kids about money. Um, but encouraging them to learn to save like 10% of everything that they earn. So I actually do that with my kids now, even with pocket money, once they get their first part-time jobs and, and moving mm. forward. Um, you know, just being in the habit of from the day you start earning any kind of income, put 10% aside into some kind of investment yep. strategy, whether it's rolling term deposits at, at worst or into like maybe some smaller managed funds or something like that, just something where that money can, can actually work harder yep. and yep. Don't, don't get into credit. If you yeah, can't yeah. afford to buy something with cash, you need to learn to live within your means and actually save up money. Sorry?
1: (laughs) Unless it's property. Unless it's
0: property, (laughs) right? Good debt versus bad debt. Um, But I spent the majority of my early years, probably until I was probably 35, 36, with either a car loan, credit card debt, I had some kind of debt hanging over me. And it took me a long time to get out of that pattern. Um, I am a child of baby boomers. Yeah. And baby boomers are notorious for having equity in their homes and um, borrowing to buy stuff and wanting everything now. And I grew up with that mindset. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I've
0: Very had true. to really take a step back and um, really change how we live. We don't even have a credit card now at all. We've got like we don't do anything. Like everything we do is like cash. We live out of what's in our bank account. That's it. If we don't have money for something, we don't do it. Yeah, um, very
1: wise, and yeah. um, and that's really changed your whole circumstances. And so today, you've got quite a number of properties in your portfolio. I know you've yeah. just got your caravan. You just picked up our caravan,
0: paid cash for it.
1: That's yeah. awesome, and it's a bit fancy. I saw, I saw you.
0: It's second hand. It's it is it's eight years old. That's Um, beautiful. That's not brand new. But again, again, I hate buying brand new things like that. that depreciate. I'd rather buy something a bit older. I'm the same. Never buy a new car. You know. Um, the, the people that we've bought it off when they've gone through it with you know all the quirks and tricks and tips and tricks that you wouldn't get with a brand new van where you've got to learn it all from the gate and all of that. So everything on it we know exactly how it works. and but yeah and no, I hate buying stuff cars like you buy a car a couple of years old and it's half the price of brand new. You don't need to save 50 grand for a car. you just need to save 2025 20, and you can still get an amazing car without buying it brand new straight from the showroom.
1: Yep, I hear you. And um, awesome. So, uh, and so you're set to really be able to have some pretty awesome choices in the next few years. Um, and yeah. uh, I'm banking on twisting your arm and having you here at Positive Real Estate for as long as I can wangle it. Um, oh, we don't no, want no. you going
0: anywhere. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a given. I don't know what else I would be doing and how. Um, you know, the really cool thing is running I think- with me. And running with you. I can't wait to but two and a half weeks to our next run together. Um, not that we'll be together. You'll be I'll be eating your dust and you'll be finishing oh, no, right no, ahead no, of me. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, we always have to talk turn to running, doesn't it? Um I was just gonna say, um, you know, the exciting thing is. Um, while I would love to have bought one more property in our portfolio, our circumstances have been in the last couple of years with my husband's work that that's not been possible, um, which has put us into consolidation. But now we're learning a whole lot of stuff about consolidation. And I thought consolidation would actually be really boring, um, but it's actually fascinating. And it's now opened up um, some amazing new opportunities for us as a couple. Um, Our kids are getting older, And I can see, you know, with everything we're doing at the moment, potentially by next year, we don't even need my husband to work anymore, which is super exciting, takes a lot of pressure off him. um, And... You know, so consolidation is actually super exciting because now we can start to see that next stage and the light at the end of the tunnel and everything we've been working for. So, um, you know, and it's nice being able to talk about that with clients when they're feeling a bit like they're in acquisitions, they're still building and they're feeling a bit like, does this actually work? Do we get there? And I can sit here and go, you know what? It actually does. This is is really, really cool. If we get to the next stage, it's game on. Yeah. Um, So super excited
1: at the moment. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And so just to translate for anyone that's not familiar with how we work here at Positive Real Estate, Karen's talking about when you start investing, it's acquisitions phase. So you're buying your property, you're getting enough property under your belt to work out what income you want in retirement. Um, And then, um, and then as your portfolio performs, and you start to get that growth, you start to get your rents up and um, your debt down, we enter consolidation phase. And this is when we're getting rid of debt, um, the properties are really looking good, you start to have some financial choices as you move into lifestyle, which is the final stage of your investing. Um, and you might do things like, you know, joint ventures, you might put some e- lazy equity that's sitting around into something else um, yeah. to, you know, get you a higher return to help with that debt. But that's all part of the strategy and what we do here at
0: Positive Real Estate, yeah? Yeah. Super awesome. That's what we're doing. Joint ventures are next. We're getting our equity out at the moment to do that. Awesome,
1: so. right. <laughs> Exciting.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Um,
1: all right, hun. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing um, some stuff. In a little bit more detail, um, it's always good to hear people's um, stories and where they've come from. Um, like we said in the beginning, it's often we think we're alone in our struggles, but um, you know, understand guys, when you're looking at investing, it's normal, there's, there's always challenges, there's always struggles. Um, not yeah. everyone comes from a place where they're jumping straight into buying properties, there's stuff to be sorted out, untangled, yeah. finance, all of yeah. that stuff, it's messy but the rewards long-term are, are there.
0: 100%. You yep. know, 100%. Like when things started to go a bit pear-shaped with my husband with work, mm. the, I never, ever lost sleep over any issues we were having because I knew that in a heartbeat if I needed to sell a property to relieve some debt, I could. Like yep. We had... We lost an income for a little while. We had, but we had some cash flow coming from property. We were getting tax benefits. We were positive cash flow comfortably. Yeah. We had other property there besides our home. And we actually did sell a property uh, beginning of last year, unfortunately. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> they held that one for another year. Um, but it was there. And like if we had done zero investing at all when we were down in income we would have been struggling to pay our mortgage and the only asset we would have had to sell would actually have been our home. home. So our investing, even though it wasn't giving us like that solid cash flow at that point, it was still a bit young, it absolutely saved our butts when it came to that situation. Yeah,
1: good to know and good
0: tips. And this is what it's about, right? Choice. Often people don't invest because they're worried about job security and there's a whole bunch behind that like guys you've got to actually give yourself more assets more behind you that gives you choices when things go great or things aren't great you've got choices i reckon there's a whole nother
1: podcast interview on this <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, you, get you on for round two
0: <laughs> probably we'll probably talk about this for a <laughs> year.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, You're welcome. darling, darling Karen Chavez. Um, awesome to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for sharing, and um, and we'll see you soon. Okay. okay. Thanks, thanks, Tab. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's Property Investor Tales, so if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at tales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback, and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor, or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.